If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right. Uh, Greetings from the paradise realm where we bask in God's light and love. For eternity. Only you do. I'm here in the darkness. Hold on. I d- uh, in yes, the darkness. I've got. Oh blimey! I mean, I've got all the lights off and all the blinds down in my uh, office. I don't know what more I can oh, do. Well, that's it's okay. Yeah, it's it's gonna have to do. For those of you listening to the audio version of this, we were just playing around with our lights. Ha <laughs> ha! Watch the video oh. version. Uh so review scores. Uh, are they still necessary? They will not go away. Well, certainly not these days, because now there's all this Metacritic going on that requires it. Mm-hmm. Metacritic uh, or Rotten Tomatoes or whoever and whatever. And you know what? It's all a bunch of malarkey. There's always been review scores, though. Even when I was reading, like, video game magazines for the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum when mm-hmm. I was a kid, they were usually given scores out of 100% for mm-hmm. each game. Sure. And they'd do a little short summary list of ups and downs and then give the score out of 100 to the side. It, it, I guess it's very intuitive to, like, grade the the game that you played, right? Yeah, but as you say, these are subjective opinions. Right. And perhaps it made more sense back in Commodore 64 days because there was very little nuance to the games. They were very simple games. Well, you know, they they still do this. They do this with everything. They do this with books. They do this with movies. They love putting little numbers on criticisms. Actually, I I did some research this morning. I was trying to find the first instance of someone using uh, a score, you know, like a number score in a review of literally anything. And I was unable to find it. Well, I'll tell you why, because this has been a thing from the beginning of time. <laughs> now, because we didn't always just arbitrarily come up with numbers. There's always mm-hmm. like some kind of um, objective measure. Mm-hmm. Like the best Athenian general in classical antiquity was mm-hmm. the one who'd won the most battles. That's sure. a number. That's a subjective number. An object. So things are always, or things right. are objective, rather. Right. Thank you. So things have always been like judged by like some kind of measure. Right. I mean, admittedly, that's a pretty uh, hard thing to break down. Mm-hmm. Number of battles won, you either won or you lost. It's not the same as <laughs> did this created piece of art emotionally move me out of ten. But still, video games are given awards. The Last of Us 2 received a large number of the game awards. So mm. if you judge the game's quality by the number of awards it's gotten the last of us two must be pretty fucking good must be no and that's and a I... number number <laughs> of awards no and all all reviews can be as rotten tomatoes does sorted into either positive or negative reviews mm-hmm. and then you just list and then you just count up how many positive reviews versus how many negative Right. And I guess like that that to me is the big issue with review scores is you are trying to like I said in in the show, like you're trying to translate two languages that cannot be compatible because one is from multiple sources and is subjective and one is objective. There is no 
objective game reviews uh, unless you are well, you pu purely talking hardware specs. Well, <laughs> you say there's no objective game reviews, but people in the comments often demand an objective game review. Yeah, and they're oh, they're wrong. Oh, don't you realize that Super Smash Brothers is objectively a good game? Do I have to come over and explain it to you? <laughs> wow, what a bad reviewer you are. That's you, gaming public. That's all of you. Right? Like, the, the only objectivity in game reviews is, like, does it run on the hardware I'm trying to run it to? And uh, when I push the controller in the direction, does it do the thing I tell it to do? Like, that's it. That's the only objectivity in game reviews. Right. And even that's even that's subjective because perhaps the game, much like your your Octo Dad, is messing with things like your ability to control your character, and that's the artistic vision. There is just no gosh dang objectivity. And yet people demand scores on the reviews. Ugh. The reason why there are scores on reviews is because it's demanded. I I guess. And and you know, people, like people want to be people want to be informed and they want to be told yes or no. <laughs> They want to know, is this, game, is this game good? Will I like it? Mm -hmm. They come to the gaming press and we say, yes, you will like it. So they buy it. Mm. That's the relationship. That's our purpose. <sighs> and that, you know, as I say, you can break down anything to numbers. And uh, if you, you, you can either recommend a game or you could not recommend it. Mm -hmm. That's all people want to hear. Right. But like even that to me is less number based because like if you put a number on that that number lives outside of like your personal recommendation right like a game this game is a seven that's that's the it's the seven it doesn't matter what i say about it positively what i say about it negatively it's a seven my idea of a seven and someone else's idea of a seven is could be drastically different. But if you say I recommend this, there's no number attached to that. You can list all the pros, well, all the there cons. Is. There is. The eh. number is one. It is a one rather than a zero. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's a binary scale. Recommend or don't recommend. Right, but there is no there is no removal of that binary scale from the larger context of your review. Possibly. I sometimes take a point in pride that people put comments on my zero punctuation reviews saying they can't tell if I recommended it or not. Mm -hmm. that's, I, that's, that's, that's a good sign for me. Uh, and, and why so is that? Tell if, so it somehow falls between the binary scale. Mm -hmm. It was neither a one nor a zero. I am an enigma. I'm outside of your system, man. Oh, no. There's so much edge here. I can't take him. But as you say, you know, I work in the kind of review that's a more sort of uh, critical essay area. Yes. You, you, are, you are a personality, not just a critic, which is the other, the other side of this is we have seen a, a surge, if you will, of, you know, the video essay, the long form review, the detailed breakdown, the personality side of criticism is really thriving in our digital era. But then, then we get into the difference between criticism and review. A work of criticism is in itself a work of art that people like experience to pass the time mm -hmm. to uh, get some enjoyment out of viewing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to hope you'll get some kind of enjoyment out of watching a two hour video essay. I, I would a, really hope so. Whereas a review is something that exists for purely 
uh, informative purposes to just give you a bare inf- information on whether or not something is worth getting. Hmm. You can review a lawnmower. You can't critique it. Why not? Well, I suppose you could you critique <laughs> if it's like painted in weird colors. Or you could critique its performances. You could talk about your personal experiences using the lawnmower. That that ex- I, I I have a hard time understanding the difference between a review and a critique. Okay. Um. You can you can review. You can review someone's mathematical formula. Okay. And check that it's accurate. Mm-hmm. You can't critique it because it's uh, either correct or it isn't. Oh. Oh. There's something that's designed for pure function, like a garlic press. I don't know why I just thought of a garlic press. No, I think that's fine. It's probably because I made a garlic sauce the other night. And I bet you it was You can review very whether garlic press crushes garlic or not. That's a review. Yes, it crushes garlic. Uh-huh. No, it doesn't. You can't critique that garlic press. Because because um, a, crit- a critique would be a, a long-form exploration of how it crushes garlic. And you can't because it either crushes garlic or it doesn't. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a pedantic asshole here and and just say that I I feel like these two worlds are more intertwined than you think you because then your critique then would be about your experience using the garlic press how do the handles feel does it store safely away how easy is it to wash Yahtzee there is to me it's all wibbly wobbly I I, I enjoyed your math analogy where it's like. One is correct or not, but I don't know if that necessarily translates over to the arts. As far as review versus critique, and yes, this is me being an absolute pedantic asshole. I'm just trying to think of a purely functional thing. Uh, I didn't think of a review as, you know, exploring the pure function of something. Okay, well then... As I said, review a math formula, either it works or it doesn't. Either you've got all the numbers in the right place or you don't. Okay. That's rev- that's that can be reviewed by like a teacher or a peer. So then reviews cannot exist when uh, when we're talking about uh, artistic endeavors. I guess not. You can you have to critique those things. But video ah, games okay. are in a unique position because they have both an artistic and a purely functional element to them. Okay, all right, I'm with you. I'm and there is you. frequently a blur between those two elements, as you, as you brought up the example of Octodad, which is mm. deliberately hard to control. That would normally be an objective failing if a game was hard to control or yes. unintuitive or it just plain didn't work. <laughs> but if it's intended to not work, then it becomes a grey area, which mm. is where critique comes in. Where you where you critique not so much the function of the subject matter as mm-hmm. the um, as the motives behind it, um, mm-hmm. how effectively it brings across its message. Sure, but the review reading public will never appreciate that nuance. Well, I know I like that though. I like that we are we're discovering kind of the nuance within our own professions, and I I, I dig that. Uh, I dig on that. And I guess like to me, you know, the the you know, even though like like what we just said is 
criticism, games criticism exists in this weird, wibbly world between review and criticism. I mean, I suppose any criticism, whether it be movies, games, books, art criticism exists in this world where it's about technique and personal experience. The point still applies that we are seeing a rise in your personality-based criticism, reviews, whatever you want to call them. We are seeing the opposite side of this coin thrive in the digital era. Yes, not so much uh, review scores on your video essays. No. No, which is, uh, to me, it's it's speaking to a a need, a want that those of us who are interested in things like video games and movies uh, really wanted. We want more in-depth analysis. We want longer form products. We don't just want a seven, but I guess some people just want a seven. Well, in the olden days, that's what a magazine was for. It's like a consumer report. It mm-hmm. was uh, an industry paper to explain what's going on in the industry sure. at that time. Mm-hmm. That's that's right. what my research did find because uh, I was looking up the history of video game criticism and the first reviews were from like arcade trade publications hmm. to make sure and, and they, were, they were meant for like arcade owners to be like, will buying this arcade machine bring more customers into my arcade? Those were like the first reviews of video yeah, games. Those would be reviews. Uh-huh. By the by, my pedantic definition of such. Exactly, because there would be no like, oh yeah, this is fun. It would be like, yes, this will draw children to your arcade so they can empty their pockets. Yes, <laughs> it was it was an insider thing. Yes. Ooh, and so so now what we're talking about is kind of the difference between insider jargon and and uh, everyman criticism. Hmm. Hmm. I guess it's, there's been a lot of blurring of the lines because um, that sort of insider review was just came down to a uh, a recommendation whether or not to invest in the product mm-hmm. for your for the betterment of your business <laughs> and ongoing life. Right. And as video games become more artistic, well, that they kind of clung to that idea of uh, it being a recommendation. I guess film reviews are recommendations at the end of the day. Who but, can say? But I mean, they're they're just as they're they're just as notorious for putting numbers on them. Obviously, Rotten Tomatoes is is the biggest site. They are notorious uh, Metacritic as well for movies. Oh, pardon me. Um, and and it's just as bad. It's it's just as bad. Like you know, we you you brought up during the show, uh, game companies putting like review score bonuses attached to people's salaries mm. which is absurd and in movies they do the same thing like if if a movie is certified fresh on rotten tomatoes that will be on every advertising poster this is certified fresh 87 percent, 90 95 percent of people like this movie you will statistically be inclined to like this movie please please come and see the movie corporations would like it if we were all if it would all fit nicely into percentages, wouldn't we? Yes. Numbers. Be a number, please. Yes, please be a number so we can more accurately predict what you're going to like and just <laughs> give you targeted ads all the time. Oh, wait, yes. that's what they do anyway. 
hey, that it's honestly, it's it's what social media is all about. <laughs> Maybe people watch more video essays these days because we've uh, we've just got more time on our hands. Hmm. Maybe we have uh taken more to taking in the art and entertainment we consume as part of our identities mm-hmm. and we watch like lengthy critical essays to sort of reaffirm our identities mm-hmm. maybe it's all an attempt to distract us from the horrors of the real world that we've all fallen hook line and sinker for a, a little bit of of a b and c if I, I were to objectively review the corporations at how good they've distracted us from real issues, I give it a solid 87%. <laughs> well done, corporations. Right? Like YouTube, Google, you're killing it. You've really distracted me. Facebook and Twitter, you're you're going down in scores recently because you're starting to show me the horrors of the world instead of distract me from them. So work on that. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's a little A, B and C. I think you're right. I also think that it's because of the ability to communicate across vast distances, we are also finding our niches easier. Like for, for me being a, a mostly a film nerd, I had a, a small group of friends who I would at length discuss movies with, but anyone outside of them I would go in depth on a movie and they would look at me like I was an idiot, mostly because I am an idiot. But now that we have the Internet, I can find someone who lives in Missouri who is also a film nerd and watch their YouTube channel and we can have that relationship. It's interesting how um, watching these long form reviews might be a part of uh, becoming part of an in-group. Hmm. The appeal of being part of an in-group, that we understand all these points they're making. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> what if what if the entire world was the in-group? Oh, then the entire world would have to agree on literally anything. Mm, maybe not then. <laughs> or it, you would it, you would even just need the entire world to like, or not even the entire world. You would need like what 60 percent of the world to agree on something and even that's not going to happen on any one thing you can't you can't let them agree they cannot agree on any one thing well speaking of that kind of thing i'm reminded of the negative results of review scores in the form of fans getting very very angry because you didn't give nine out of ten to the new zelda you gave it eight out of ten and that's just unconscionable. People have gotten death threats for that kind of thing. Right, which that's horrible. These people are horrible who would do that. Uh yeah. Yeah, that's you know like one of the one of the biggest jokes as far as game criticism is concerned is you know your game really sucks if it only gets a 7 out of 10. <laughs> Cuz apparently it seems like going under 7 feels like too controversial a move for a lot of people. Because well cause now because of, yeah. of the nuance, maybe there's some people who like the Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> I've never met any. I'm I'm sure there are. I mean, there has to be. There has to be people who love that game. Uh, yeah, I apparently can... they all work for the Game Awards. Hey, hey, No, I think uh, I think like seven used to be the bottom of the barrel, but now that everyone knows that seven is the bottom of the barrel, eight. 
like if you get a low eight score, that's the new seven. And so people do, they get upset when a game they really like is an eight. Um, who, who does it? Uh, someone made a, a fantastic video. I want to say his name is, his YouTube name is Stir, S-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. Give me a moment while I Google it. it. It's a fantastic video kind of looking at the history of the seven video game, all centered around like the PlayStation 1 Jackie Chan game. I um, I know that one. Was it a fighting game? It was like a like a brawler or like a side-scrolling brawler. Okay. I, I you know. There's been multiple Jackie Chan games. I'm sure there has been. A friend of mine once showed me a, a digitized one-on-one fighting game in the vein of Mortal Kombat. Oh. That was, that was Jackie Chan themed and, the, and three of the bosses were just Jackie Chan in different roles. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> Oh, no, and actually, you know what? I'm wrong. It's eight. Uh, so the name of the video is basically Jackie Chan is an eight. Uh, and it's by a YouTuber named Star, S-T-A-R underscore. And okay. it's a, a fantastic look at the way that games are scored. And uh, it's it's an older video. It's a couple. It's a few years old at this point, so I don't know how relevant it is. But I, it's something I think about often as far as, like, why people hate when a game that they think is perfect or very good at least gets a seven or an eight because we've been conditioned to think that seven is the lowest because most review score sites won't go lower than seven because they don't want to piss off their advertisers. Which is well, the, the dirty little secret here, right? Because once you take, take to something like Metacritic where they... Uh, aggregate all the reviews the scores mm. start drifting into different areas <laughs> but it's the problem with metacritic of course is that everyone has different standards for how they score things exactly as you say a seven might be a zero for some for certain game oh outlets. yeah oh, yeah well and 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 that that to me speaks of a of a larger problem which is you know like you hate to say like I'm not going to use I'm not going to use the phrase ethics, but ethics in game. I will absolutely not refer even refer to that as most of that malarkey was absolute malarkey. Yeah, Mm. we need to find a different phrase, I suppose. Yes. Like um, morals in consumer reporting. (laughs) Sure. Morals in consumer reporting. The, The fact is that most of the advertising for a game review magazine or website or whatever comes from game publishers and game publishers might be less interested to give these people money if they keep making fun of all of their games. But how can you have an unbiased critical media in such an environment? You can't. You can't. That's the problem. This right, and so that, there's like there's this elephant in the room, which is why you know a game a seven being bad is is such a big joke. Which Perhaps it, games criticism yeah. should be funded by the public, like the BBC. Ooh, just everyone should be taxed a small amount of extra money, and they could all come to me, and I can be a completely unbiased reviewer, and we don't have to let advertisers get involved. Uh, that would be nice. That uh, that would be really nice. That's how a lot of them work on YouTube, though, isn't it? Well, most most of them are Patreon supported. 
Oh, I mean, they and all when, have to be, right. And when you advertise on YouTube, um, the entity putting the adverts on your videos are generally disconnected from the entity creating the video. So, Correct. So the corporate uh, studios get less shitty about it. Oh, right. And of course, like there's there's an equal amount of malarkey over in the YouTube review sphere sphere where like not only do they have a Patreon, not only are they running ads on their videos, but a lot of these gaming channels are sponsored, you know, or do sponsored videos for you know Call of Duty Battle Pass or whatever bullshit they got. So there's there's equal moral skill share. Most of it <laughs> seems to be skill share these days. Uh, it, it used to be audible. Now it's Skillshare. Or um, it's um, Squarespace. Yeah, Squarespace, the website builder. Or what's that one? That one video game, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> yes, Raid uh, everyone, everyone that sponsors absolutely bloody everything, and no one has, no one's ever played it. <laughs> right, right. And so, like, there's some morally gray area over there too. But if a reviewer does no sponsored content and and only gets money through their ad revenue and Patreon, you can assume a little, you can assume at least honesty, but even then we're talking about honesty from their perspective, right? Hmm. Which is why everything's subjective. Well, it just seems like YouTube is the new, new games journalism. Sure. I mean, everyone knows that the old games journalism can't be trusted. The old um, official sites, your IGNs, mm. your whatevers. Your whatevers. Paid by the publishers and give review scores on an arbitrary scales. They uh, they all voted for The Last of Us Part Two to win Game of the Year. Therefore, they cannot yeah, be trusted. Fuck those guys. Honestly. But, uh, but as you wrong? say, it's more common these days for people to get information from YouTubers. And yeah, absolutely. So this is a different age, perhaps. It is. It is a different age, and I think it's better off than it was because so many of these reviewers or critics or whatever or commentators, whatever we want to call them, are self-funded, right? Hmm. But, all right, I'm going to add another layer onto this. Obviously, like we, this is a meaty subject for you and I, as this is most of our lives. Hmm. But, add another layer to this meaty lasagna. Oh, I am marinara. The other layer to that is audience expectations. So you no longer have to worry about the video game publishers um, swaying your opinion, but you now have to worry about your audience swaying your opinion because they pay the bills now. Right. I mean, even leaving aside the ones that will kill you for (laughs) giving Zelda an aid. Right. There's... There's a risk in like going against the grain, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even if it's just um, your comments getting taken over by a load of shit talking people, <laughs> that's that's yeah. a, that can be a problem. That can be a problem. Like what it, you know, it's what... hard to engage the audience when they're trying to engage through a wall of people talking shit. What what if, for example, historically you have been uh, you have not been kind to like the super smash brothers series yes or 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 even the last of us we've mentioned the last of us many many times right so let's say the last of us part three comes out most of the critics hate it you find that you love it 
that goes against your brand, right? This is a, obviously a very hypothetical situation. Uh, that goes against your brand. Will your core audience turn on you because of that? And do you even subconsciously think about that before a review? I think it's true that I do think about audience response. Mm. I, I was thinking about writing my cyberpunk review, thinking about what the general opinion is. Sure. And if going too far out of the way will alienate the audience. Because mm. at the end of the day, a, a reviewer's job is to a, criti a critic, I should say, a critic's <laughs> job is to um, uh, say things that people agree with. Hmm. You want uh, to attract an audience that agrees with your views, so that they will consult you on their future purchasing decisions. Sure, sure. But in that specific case, I don't think it would necessarily be off-brand for me to suddenly start liking The Last of Us if they did a good one, which is, incidentally, is a very big if. Well, but if <laughs> I was trying I could, to think of an example that would be very off-brand for you. I reckon I could um, swing that to make it on-brand. Okay. What I'd have to do is review it in such a way where I say I like it, but in a way that makes me sound like I hate myself for saying it. <laughs> Ooh, you've you've got a you've got an ace up your sleeve. Do you know what, viewers? It's not that bad. It's not that <laughs> for the benefit of the people listening on SoundCloud. I just mimed putting a gun in my mouth while saying those words. I really um, enjoyed the story. In fact, <laughs> the issues of multimedia. Mm, well. It, like, I guess what I'm saying here is while and and I truly believe that we we're, we're having a fascinating golden era of criticism and, you know, long form essays. While all that is true. How's your battery level? Is that what yeah, you're it's looking good. at? Uh, oh, OK. The moment I thought it turned off, but I was oh, wrong. Okay. It was oh, great. Just the glare. So anyway, while while we are in a kind of a golden era of criticism and long form critique and review and analysis, uh, I, I'm really enjoying all of it. A lot of these problems are the the same problems just morphed for the new medium. It's possible, and I take issue with the notion that we're in a golden age of reviewing. It's because I mean, a golden age. There's a lot of it, yeah, but that's not necessarily make it good. A lot of I mean, it's pretty good though. You know what was funny was like back in the 90s when there was just magazines and mm -hmm. not the internet. Some games, some movies wouldn't be able to find a positive quote or a positive award graphic to put on their box art. And they'd have to like really scrape around looking for something. And if yeah. you go and look up the old box art for something like uh, Deus Ex, what was the second one called? Invisible War. Okay. I, fa I found an old box art for Deus Ex Invisible War and... Um, they had a little graphic on it which said PC format silver award. That was okay. literally the best review they could find for it. A silver award. And some other magazine gave it game of the month. <laughs> Not yeah, game of the month. <laughs> Basically, right. it just has this string of incredibly mediocre awards. Okay. But then you look at, the, then you look at these days someone has done a positive review of everything you can mm. find a positive quote for absolutely anything it's meaningless now that's why it was so hilarious to see a game with a silver award on the front <laughs> that was that was how they were selling it yeah 
they couldn't just like find Johnny Johnny Make Work on YouTube mm-hmm. to say, "Oh, this is the best game ever," or something that sounds <laughs> official, like um, the Gamers Collective Network, which is like sure. two guys in a basement, right? And get them to say, "This is the best game ever," so you can stick the quote on the blurb and add Gamers Collective Network when and make it look good. Mm-hmm. Can so these days you could argue that criticism has sort of lost a lot of its meaning because there's so much of it and that there's basically a positive opinion for everything I, there's still i mean yes there's there's a lot of garbage Ooh, ooh, how about this instead of living in a golden age what if we live in a gilded garbage age okay an age of gilded garbage an age of gilded garbage well if anything sums up this year perhaps that would be it we, there is so much garbage, but there's this gold lining over it, where where little reason, flecks of gold. For some reason, I'm specifically thinking of how the current U.S. president has a gold toilet in his house. Theming, my friend, we're going for a hard theming. Apparently, uh, I, this is. I guess all I'm saying is, I, I I mean, I agree with you that we have a ton of garbage. Yeah, there's there was a, a time when. Um, a critic was a sort of expert position. Mm-hmm. You had mm-hmm. to show your credentials to get into it. Right. Oh, yeah. Who cares about that now? How many followers do you have? That is, that's the only credential you need anymore. But now anyone can do it, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if they don't know anything about the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And it's all part of our continued turning our back on the subject of experts. Mm-hmm. That means it's going to be really needlessly difficult to get people to vaccinate themselves against a deadly illness. <sighs> I mean, yes and no. Uh, I I agree with you. I I feel what I, like what I'm saying is that people who don't listen to me are exactly the same as vaccine deniers. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. I think when you're when you're right, you're right. And here you're right, mostly because you're mostly right. Uh, I do think there's a difference uh, in in not believing scientists and choosing to you know watch someone whose uh, approach to art is similar to yours. But hey, that's just me. I'm on the fringes. Experts, you know, you, that's the point. You, you don't necessarily... People, you need experts, surely. You need experts in life. You don't necessarily need experts when you are looking for uh, video game criticism. Oh, fair enough. But an expert <laughs> might look at a game that you thought was really innovative and tell you that, no, actually, it's ripping off like these three other games from like 20 years ago that mm-hmm. no one else has heard of. Yeah, but that expert might also be really boring. And what do that's you mean? That sounds time. like a really interesting thing to know. I bet anyone who knows that sort of thing would be really interesting to listen to. And I bet there's also eight other people who know the exact same stuff but also do wacky voices. And, uh, and I'd rather watch them. Just gravitates YouTube. to wacky voices in the end, doesn't it? It's it's vaudeville forever. Get a wacky voice that's wackier than your neighbor, and the world of YouTube will beat a path to your door. All you need is a, a wacky voice, some solid analytical points, and uh, intellectual. You no, no no not the whole thing. You just need one or two solid analytical points. And you need to uh, criticize a large intellectual property. That's how you become YouTube famous. You're welcome. Is, this, is that one of those, like, you can have two out of the three, but not all three situations? 
like how mm-hmm. when you meet potential romantic partners on the internet they you can either have they can either be sane attractive and not mm-hmm. single they can either be sane single and not attractive or they can be single and attractive but not sane you can have two but never all three no, no, no. This is uh, this is the the basis. Uh, a lot of times, uh, as someone who has been mildly successful on the internet, oftentimes I get asked how to become successful on the internet. And no, those are the three things. You need something to talk about. Uh, you need to do it in a, a funny voice, and it needs the something you talk about needs to be a large intellectual property. Uh, usually, like so, basically, like if you think, uh, pulling an example out of my head here, uh, I enjoy the cooking YouTube channel binging with Babish. I don't know if I you do watched too. That's uh, a fantastic show. He's, you know what? He's a very good uh, chef. I like him because uh, he's got a beard. You like oh, him because he, he's bald. He, oh, there you go. Yes, Babish is bald, and I like him for it. And uh, I don't know how you found him, but I found him because he was cooking a recipe based off of a movie or TV show. Yeah, I think I I watched him because he was making one of them comedy burgers from SpongeBob SquarePants that's like mm. nine times too big to be a burger. So he was basing it off of an intellectual property you already knew. He has a good and funny voice, and uh, he knows at least a little bit of what he's talking about. Those are the three things you need. Well, there was also the hook that he was making something comically absurd. Sure, sure, but that that was a good hook. Without without the SpongeBob element of it, would you have watched it? Because it's the initially, IP that gives you the... probably not. It was, as I say, it was the hook. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm curious to see if he successfully made a sandwich 24 layers high. Oh, well, but, I, but I'm, that's, if, if you just came across that and he's like, I'm making a burger that's 24 layers high without any SpongeBob element, you probably would not have clicked on it because it was the SpongeBob element that gave you the context. Possibly. Very uh, another another cooking show um, or that I used to watch. I don't know if they make it anymore. Actually, is when um, the people uh, were making the gourmet versions of like garbage candy. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Um, is it like twelve cooking YouTube? <laughs> there's like there's a, done something like that. There's a, a million of them, but I guess basically speak basically, big IP gives you context. Entertainment means you'll enjoy watching it. And as long as you know a little, as long as the presentator, presenter knows at least a very small amount, you can feel like you're being informed as well. It also helps to have a voice that people like to hear. Mm. Some people really shouldn't be doing voiceovers. Yes. There are a lot of commenters on the internet, on YouTube, that I stopped listening to because their voice sounds like Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. People tell me they find my voice rich and encouraging. I just I like to fall asleep listening to my dulcet tones and non-standard accent. Your the non-standard accent helps your are we going to call it a baritone? I'm I think that's say, deeper. You think? I don't know. Like bass well, is the deepest, baritone is one up from that. I don't think you're a tenor. A tenor would, you know, that's oh, okay. mid-rangey. Well, I, yeah, probably baritone. That's what bass. I... <laughs> is it, I'm going... Is it gyro day? Oh, there you go. Now you go full NPR. Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You're listening to the Smooth Jazz Hour. 24 minutes of uninterrupted smooth jazz coming your way after this advertisement from Viagra. (laughs) You've done the smooth jazz like a tenor. That's more NPR where they're like this hour on the news. We will be talking to Senator John Kerry. I don't think he's a senator anymore. In any case, um, the uh, oh, man, how did we get there? I don't know. We were talking about what you need to succeed as a YouTube reviewer. <laughs> well, don't put scores on. We've mm. established that. They're don't dumb. put scores on. And we're done talking about that because enough has been said. Honestly. Points, points are dumb. Nuance reviews. Just watch YouTube video essays because we know you've got lots of free time since you're all stuck at home. Mm-hmm. You lazy assholes. <laughs> And and also, like, for uh, creators out there, uh, while I do enjoy video essays, oftentimes I would also prefer a podcast version, which, you know, I know you here on this show, we do a podcast version and a video version because some people like to watch, some people like to listen. I, uh, I would appreciate a podcast version. Uh, and if you have any graphics, you can, like, you know, say what the graphics are. Just watch YouTube videos on a window in the background they're uh, the well, same as listening to a podcast isn't it no because sometimes like i'll be like doing yard work and i like to listen to podcasts when i do that and then i can't like look at my phone when they're like if you see this graphic here you right. know like oh, what are you talking about that's just that's just this is just a suggestion for me a, a listener of things <laughs> that's literally yeah. i'm just putting that out in the world now okay so to summarize uh-huh. Uh, have a weird voice. Yeah. Talk about something high profile. Yep. Um, know what you're talking about. At least, at least a little bit. One or two points. You can fake the rest. So, where would we put being funny? That would, would go do, in. Do you think? Do you think that's an important ingredient? I would say it certainly doesn't hurt. That goes in the in the funny voice category, like. Okay. Being entertaining, I guess we can exchange funny voice for being entertaining, right? Okay. Whether that's funny voice, uh, funny visuals, interesting edits, uh, that sort of thing. Okay. Entertaining, small amount of knowledge, big intellectual property. And if you're serious about making a go at it as a career, consistency. Ooh. Put out a video every week for 10 years mm-hmm. and you'll probably do better than people who made like like three viral hour videos that came out six months apart probably you know if not once a week because i know once a week is tough uh at least twice a month yeah can people, i could see every people other appreciate week. consistency i mean they soap do. operas still drawing a big audience even though they're horribly written and really cheaply made because they're consistent they become part of the background noise of people's lives. People start to depend on it. They want yeah. to know what's going to happen at Jason and Kaylee's wedding <laughs> because they've been hearing about it for the last two weeks and it's been built up too much in mm. their heads. Well, no, and I know like before The Escapist was on YouTube, like I knew, I knew every Wednesday was the new zero punctuation. And that for me, it came out around noon. And so I was like, oh, okay, I go here at noon or afternoon on Wednesday to watch the new ZP. That's just, yeah. that was part of my schedule. That's what you do. You become part of someone's schedule. 
Absolutely. If you miss a week, people might forget about you. Uh, no, it's, they will forget about you. It's you like will... living under the sword of Damocles, being a YouTube reviewer. There's so <laughs> much other shit people could be watching. Yeah. you got to have, if you've got nothing else, you got to have consistency. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think like like you were talking about with your um with your uh online dating app. Any so these are the, you know, big IP, something interesting to say, something entertaining, and they're all scalable. So like let's say you're not the most entertaining person, but you have something interesting to say or something very technical to say, that's okay. Or yeah. if you're entertaining and have something technical to say, but you're saying it about a very small game or movie, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all scalable. Yeah. But so if, if you... Oh, go ahead. If you're entertaining and talking about something small scale, you can get away with not knowing much. You can be, <laughs> you can be PewDiePie, in other words. Hey! Well, that's the thing, but but I suppose it's scalable in in that if you slide one of those sliders in any direction, it needs to be compensated with one of the other sliders. Right. So just something to keep in mind where I know like I, everybody, everybody who, who talks about video games wants to bring attention to smaller games. But the numbers don't lie. When we talk about smaller games, we get smaller numbers. And so yeah. it's a balancing act. I mean, that's probably one of the main factors in what's going to like break half a mil views when it comes to zero punctuation on YouTube mm -hmm. is the pro the existing profile of the game, as I've explained to <laughs> to my editor on a couple of occasions. <laughs> that's how it works sometimes. And we there's no control we have over that. But... Mm. If you have something very interesting to say about that game and or you are very entertaining about it, it can balance out. All right. Hmm. All right. figured out the formula. Turns out everything can be broken down to an objective number crunch. And you proved my point. Son of a bitch, you're right. I was walking into a trap this whole time. <laughs> so, yes. so make sure you've distributed your experience points evenly across your different skill bars in your internet review profile or go full min max <laughs> yeah be, be like insanely interesting to watch mm. like you're from mars oh, and um son of a bitch you've got fish growing out of the top of your head <laughs> you can be as like boring as you like if you're from mars it's that's that's honestly very true. We would just be fascinated by the fact that you were from Mars. There you go. That would be a, a good example of min-maxing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly got here from well, talking. We certainly got about, somewhere. Eh, the conversation goes where it goes, but I feel like we're wrapping up. So let's wrap up before we start blathering too much about weird stuff. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the show that comes after Slightly Civil War podcast, mm -hmm. which was on the subject of review scores this week and why they're a waste of time and you're all bad people for expecting them. 
It's very, very true. Uh, you can watch the uh, the original episode over on escapistmagazine.com where you can become an Escapist Plus member and uh, watch our videos ad-free and have special bonus content. Uh, you can become a YouTube member over on YouTube where you can get videos a week early and get special emotes and nameplates whenever we live stream very exciting and you can follow us on twitter where you know we'll tell you when these episodes come out and i'll uh, talk about sandwiches that i eat uh because i am a big sandwich enthusiast fun i think that's everything oh well, let's hope so all right uh, see you so next yeah. time everyone <laughs> oh wait wait we have it we'll slightly see you later fuck you <laughs> <laughs> A bitch. <laughs>